Everyone handles birthdays in a different way. When we were little, at least when I was little, I couldn't wait for my birthday. I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to sleep, but I couldn't sleep because I was so excited because I wanted to be able to wake up and go to my birthday party at McDonald's. Who else had McDonald's birthday parties? Like my mom just just phoned it in, you know, like we're going to McDonald's. Now they have top golf birthday parties and stuff. When you get older, we kind of try to act like birthdays don't exist. I remember my mom when I was little, she turned 29 for the first fourth time in a row, four years in a row. And I was like, wait a second, were you 29 last year? And she was like, stop talking and go to your room. Um, there's some who don't celebrate just a birthday, but they celebrate like a birth week or a birth month. Father Josh Johnson, a good friend of mine, he's that guy. He calls me at the beginning of the month. He's like, it's my birthday month. What are we doing? I'm like, okay, we'll go hang out. We'll go hang out. There's also people who you can't surprise. You can't throw a surprise party because they're going to figure it out. They're going to see. They're going to see the text message. They're going to see the email. They'll act surprised, but they know. And there's people you shouldn't throw a surprise party for. Because they're like introverts and everyone yells. They come into the house. and they just, Surprise! One of my friends who did that, they just turned around and walked away. It just like we got in the car to mess with us. Even groups of people, organizations have birthdays. We just celebrated the 4th of July. Every year we celebrate the birthday of our country. This brings me to my question. Does the church have a birthday? Does the church have a day in which it was born, when it was founded, and really, what is the church? Over this past uh, couple weeks this summer, we've been preaching a homily series on the Acts of the Apostles, and we find ourselves with this question, because we say it in the creed, we say it in the creed, in the Nicene Creed, and all Christians really everywhere say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, In the communion of saints, what is the church? When was the church founded? See, God has always been preparing his church from the beginning. We see the church being formed. Our second reading in Hebrews, uh, he's recalling, the author of Hebrews is calling that first person that God reached out to to start the church. The Old Testament was Abraham. So it started with one man. And then it kind of extended into a family, his wife, Sarah and Isaac, and then his son, Jacob, who received the blessing. Then it kind of the extended family, the 12 sons of Jacob, who would be called Israel. So Israel is just another it's the second name of Jacob. And then that extended family became a nation made up of the 12 tribes that descended from those 12 brothers. Do you see how God is preparing? He's forming the church But it doesn't get completed until the new covenant in which Jesus calls not 12 tribes. He calls 12 apostles. It's not a coincidence that Jesus, when he's forming the church, he calls 12 apostles. In fact, when John looks up into heaven, that's the uh, the revelation, the book of Revelation is John seeing in heaven. He sees Jerusalem. And he describes it. He says there's 12 gates. And on the top of the 12 gates is the name of the 12 tribes. And then he says that on the foundation stones of those 12 gates is the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The church that Jesus founded is intrinsically linked to the apostles who were the first bishops. 
So if we're going to be Christian, if we're going to be believers, if we're going to be in communion with Christ, then we must be in communion. As we see in heaven, the the new Jerusalem is made up. The foundation stones have the 12 apostles names written in it. We need to be in communion with the bishops. Even St. Paul says this. He's like, look, there's different gifts. Everyone's got different gifts. Some are called to be prophets. Some are called to be teachers. Some are called to be evangelists. But he starts with some are called to be apostles. If you're a Christian and you read the New Testament, you must recognize that it's important to be in communion with Christ through the church he founded. And even further, he founds it on 12 apostles and then three of them have a a higher level. That's Peter, James and John. He called him up onto the mountain at the transfiguration in the garden. He pulls him aside. And then one of them is even singled out further. That's St. Peter. When Jesus asks him, he says, uh, who do people say that I am? They say, well, some people say you're like a prophet that's come back from the dead or what have you. He goes, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is where Jesus founding the church clarifies that the authority that he has, he's bestowing it on his apostles, particularly Peter. He says, blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my. Okay, that's good. See, we're asking the question, where did the church come from? How did Jesus form the church in the Bible? It says you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the gates of the netherworld, the gates of death will not prevail against it. Whose sins you bind on earth are bound in heaven. Who sends you loose on earth are loose in heaven. Jesus will protect his church from error. Jesus will not let evil destroy his church. No matter how many externally evil people are attacking it. No matter how many internally people are attacking it. Like people in the pews or in the chair, right? Priests or bishop, whatever. He's still going to protect his church. And he founds it on the apostles. No matter who they are. We must be in communion with them. You know, Jesus or, or Matthew puts a little Easter egg in his gospel. Raise your hand if you know what an Easter egg is. Like not the Easter eggs you search for in Easter, but like the Easter eggs in a movie. Right. It's a hidden little thing that you, you might not get. But if, if you get it, it, it explains a lot. It's hidden. He says that Peter's. Name is Simon Bar Jonah. Bar means son of. So he says, uh, you're, you're Simon, son of Jonah. You know, John, in the Gospel of John, he says Peter's dad's name was John. What do we take? Is it Jonah or is it John? A lot of scholars, even some of the early church fathers, saw that and they said, it's Matthew placing this little hint. You know what Jonah means? See, John means the graced one, Jonah means dove. He says, Simon. Son of the dove, symbol of the Holy Spirit. The church will be protected by the Holy Spirit on the authority of the apostles. 
The church was prophesied in the Old Testament. The church was taught and catechized in the ministry of Christ. The church was sanctified and created and, in fact, conceived, if you will, on the cross by the blood and water that poured from his side. But when was the church born? At Pentecost. The church's birthday is Pentecost where the Holy Spirit, right? Simon, son of the dove, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and then they were able to go forth birthed into the world out of the womb of the upper room and truly make the church Catholic. What does Catholic mean? Catholic means universal. And Jesus had this expectation. The apostles had this expectation. If you were going to be Christian, we're going to be Christian together. We cannot have divisions. How do we make sure we don't have divisions? You have to be under the apostles. As soon as people break themselves off from the bishops, from the apostles, from the community, when they say, I can do it alone. I'm just, it's me and Jesus. I don't like structured authority. You know what? I, I like Jesus. I don't like organized religion. The problem is Jesus organized a religion. How can you read the New Testament and not see? He called 12 of them. And you might say, well, yeah, that, but that priest is mean and he's, and he's bad. And that, that bishop, I heard crazy things. And he said, yeah, and he called Judas too. What did Judas do? He was one of the 12. You know, I've heard before people say, don't leave Peter because of Judas. Ever heard that? Don't leave Peter. Don't leave the church because of like an evil person. Let them affect. Don't leave Peter because of Judas. I say, don't leave Peter because of Peter. (laughs) Was Peter perfect? No, Jesus named him the Pope. He said, here are the keys. Boom, you're my right hand man. You're the vicar on earth. You're a Christ vicar on earth who sends you bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Sends you loose shall be loose in heaven. You are the rock and I'm building my church on you. And then three moments later, he said, get behind me, Satan. Oh, my goodness. Talk about like fail. You become the pope and then Jesus calls you Satan. And yet the Lord expects us to be in communion with him through the sacraments. If you really want to be fully part of the church that Jesus founded, if you want your sins sacramentally forgiven, he gave that power to Peter and the apostles who send you bound on earth shall be bound, who send you loose on earth shall be loosed. If you most surely want to be in the bark, the ark of the church, then you must be in communion with the apostles, with the bishops, because that's what Jesus founded. I'll leave you with a quote because you might say, well, maybe this is your idea, Father Brad. You know, it's kind of your job. You're a priest. You want us in these pews. Maybe you're just telling us that. Okay, I'll just give you the words, not of me, not of Pope Francis, not of the Pope who was Pope in the 1500s in the Protestant Reformation, not the Pope who was Pope in like 1054 when the Eastern Church broke away from the Western Church. Not, no, I'm going to give you the words of a man, a theologian, St. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch in the year 110. 110. That's 15 years after the death of the last apostle, John, who wrote the Gospel of John, who saw a vision of heaven. 10, 15 years after, you know what happened 15 years ago? You know what the the best song or the most popular song was 15 years ago? Rihanna. Umbrella, Ella, Ella. That's just 15. It's 15 years ago. You know what happened 15 years ago. You lived it. 
St. Ignatius of Antioch, with what I'm about to read to you, was saying what we believed about being Christian. How do we be in communion with the church, with Christ? That close to the apostles. He said this. He said, see that you all follow the bishop, even as Jesus Christ does the father. And the presbytery, as you would the apostles, and reverence the deacons as being the institution of God. Let no man do anything connected with the church without the bishop. Let that be deemed a proper Eucharist, which is ministered by either the bishop or by one who he entrusted with it. Wherever the bishop shall be, there let the multitude of the people also be. Even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. Wherever the Catholic Church is, there is Jesus. That's what St. Ignatius of Antioch thought. The early church fathers believed. That's what Jesus desired, us to be one, to be in communion with him. How do we entrust that? To be under the rock.